Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Friday, December 14th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 293, featuring Sporting News NBA writer Sean Devney, is sponsored by Action Heat. Save 20% on your order by going to actionheat.com slash boston. That's actionheat.com slash boston, or use the coupon code boston at checkout to save 20%. Hey, what's up? Welcome back. Thanks, of course, for your flexibility. Joining us on a Friday as opposed to the normal Sunday before the seas. We'll host the Lowly Hawks and then visit the Pistons coming up tomorrow. Very realistic. Seas will extend their winning streak to nine. And I want to talk all about where we are right now with Sean Devaney. Covers the NBA for Sporting News. Good friend of this program as well. Sean, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. I, I want to apologize in advance because uh, uh, I've had a cold for about, uh, uh, seems like a year and a half, so uh, so I apologize for that. <laughs> no, I, I hope you feel better. I'm just getting over a nasty one, which is why I didn't do the show last week. Evan Valenti filled in for me, and admirably, I might add, but uh, yeah, I was just trucked over by the flu or whatever it was, yeah. so I hope, I hope you are doing much better. So far, so good. All right, we'll power through. You know, and this, I hope it doesn't rub anyone the wrong way. But before we get to the positives, because there are a zillion to talk about, Sean, we're going to spend the majority of this show doing it. I want to travel back in time a bit because you joined me for one of the season preview shows and we discussed, I don't know if you remember, my top concern for this group and something that really reared its ugly head early and often at the start of this year while the Celtics limped off to that 10-10 and 10 start before, of course, this seven-game winning streak. The effort was not what it used to be be over the last several years under Brad Stevens. And this group, more talented as we know than it's ever been in Brad's tenure here, the players, and some admittedly so, bought into their own hype, and they did not outwork teams consistently. It cost them a number of losses. Did you see that same thing? Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's, that's definitely a part of the problem. And I think what feeds that is the fact that, um, you know, you've had guys who want to show what they can do and aren't getting the chance to do that. And, and, and that's always going to be a problem, uh, you know, especially the three guys who excelled during the playoffs, Tatum and Brown and, and Rogier, you know, those guys, um, you know, they're young guys and they still need to prove what they can be in the NBA. Uh, you know, I think you can, you can ask 
older players to sacrifice. You know, that's that's something that's common. You know, certainly they we saw that with Paul Pierce and Garnett and, and Ray Allen, uh, but they were in their 30s. You know, it, it's hard to do that with a guy who's in his early 20s who's just trying to prove himself in the NBA. So I think that's that that's been something that uh, uh, that that's sort of been masked over by uh, this current winning streak. I think it's still going to be a problem, though. I don't think it's something that they necessarily uh, have an answer for. We've seen changes in the rotation, but they've also – sort of benefited almost uh, by having the injuries that they've had uh, because it's, it, it's allowed for a more natural rotation uh, when everybody's healthy. I think they're still going to have the same problems that they had uh, earlier in the year. Well, that's just it, Sean. You know, the all these injuries, and we can get into some of them more specifically as we go on, but you're right. It's thinned out. It, it's, you know, more continuity, which is what I think this group has needed. Not to say the depth is a problem. I think depth is very important, and we're seeing the impact of it right now when you can for example against Washington you can see Al Horford doesn't play Gordon Hayward doesn't play Jalen Brown doesn't play Aaron Baines is limited as he comes back from his injury in previous games Kyrie Irving sat out and so we've we've had this team have to deal with that whole next man up thing and it's helped in a couple of different ways as you acknowledge one guys get more minutes than they've been used to and so they're happier but two because they don't have all of those extra bodies, it goes back to what we were just talking about. They've had the kind of been forced to work a little bit harder. And it's been reminiscent of especially last year when Irving went down, when Hayward went down, and they had to more consistently do that. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, I think that that it probably shows itself uh, more in terms of, of, of who's on the floor. You know, because you have the injuries or because you have uh, the different rotations, you know, when you've got Marcus Smart on the floor, uh, there is a different energy level. Mm-hmm. We've, we've seen that from this team year in and year out. Uh, you know, when he plays, they tend to win. I mean, they tend to they tend to play better uh, when he's on the floor more. And and you know, that's that's something that's been pretty consistent with them. Uh, when you have the deeper rotation and you start cutting his minutes, uh, then you lose that energy factor. You lose the defensive factor. Uh, same could be said with Marcus Morris. You know, I mean, these these have been really over over these last seven games. These two guys have been. Uh, you know, as good as anybody in the rotation. But if everybody was healthy, what would their minutes be? And, and, and what were their minutes to start the year? So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it is, uh, uh, like I say, it's, 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 it's nice to see them playing the way that they're playing. Uh, but I think that, 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 that their problems are still going to be there. Uh, you know, it's going to be a matter of, uh, uh, you know, someone's going to have to sacrifice probably more than he wants. Celts have looked phenomenal during this winning streak in virtually every facet of the game. I mean, you can look up some of the stats and, and analytics. Celtics are virtually number one in, in every category. I mean, offense, defense, shooting efficiency, rebounding, ball movement, pace, whatever it may be. And they've done it with a more streamlined rotation like we talked about. And, of course, the new-look starting group when everyone is out there. You know, that puts Gordon Hayward and Jalen Brown mm-hmm. on the bench. The Marcuses both starting, guys in and out of the lineup, as we acknowledge. But there has been, it's it's kind of the, the elephant in the room, is that they've been facing lesser competition at times too what's directly led to flipping the switch do you think is it the fact that you know some easier opponents have come along I know that helps or is it that they've found just a a rotation that works better than what they've been doing off the start yeah, I, I mean, I think that that certainly there's a combination with the, with, with the schedule, um, you know. But on the flip side, you have to say, okay, when they were seven and six, 
you know, they they were playing tough teams. They had a lot mm-hmm. of road games coming out of uh, uh, coming out of the gate. I think it was something like nine out of their first thirteen games or something were were on the road. They had that that swing through the West that didn't go very well. Uh, so you know, there there were certainly uh, a lot of things that went into uh, them getting off to the slow start, uh, just in terms of the schedule, just in terms of of, of who they were playing. Uh, so the fact that they've had lighter competition since, I mean, that's that's how it goes in the NBA. You're going to have runs like that what you want to see is you're taking advantage of that part of the schedule by winning games and you're winning them easily and and you know i mean you look at this run uh they have pretty much been slaughtering you know with the exception of of the game in washington and washington's played better uh lately uh but but with the exception of uh of that game you know they've they've won these games very very handily so uh you know you, you have to be encouraged by that uh they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and uh uh you know that's something that uh, uh that 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 you have to give them credit for you know you can say that the schedule's bad but but okay if the schedule's bad you want to see wins by 20 points and they're they're putting those kinds of wins up so uh you, you know you really like I said, the schedule is always going to even out over time, uh, but the fact that they're that they're that they're really hitting their stride and and winning these games with ease—that's something that they weren't doing earlier in the year. Well, it's why a lot of us going back weeks, hell, I mean months in some ways, not necessarily anticipating the very early struggles coming into the year, but looked at just how the schedule was broken up and said a streak is going to come at some point in time just because of these opponents. Would you know, people are pummeling me? On Twitter, uh, one Michaela, one of the questions I'm looking at now, you know, has Boston figured things out or is it the competition? And you already acknowledged, you know, sort of the, the latter half of that with the competition. But in terms of figuring things out, what have you seen during this run that's been different outside of, like we talked about, work ethic? What is this team doing better? What have they figured out that they're doing a bit differently, you think? I think it's certainly the defense. I mean, offensively, you kind of had the sense that that uh, that they were always going to get it together. Uh, you know, Kyrie wasn't great to start the year. I think uh, uh, he's obviously gotten in a uh, in a much better groove. Certainly in, in in crunch time, we've seen what he can do uh, when when games are close. Uh, that uh, you know, as we saw in overtime last night. Uh, you know he's 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 really uh, uh, hit his stride, and I, I think that's one thing that uh, certainly does help the offense is when uh, they they are Kyrie dominant, and 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 everybody else sort of plays off him. Uh, again, you know that's not a comfort. You know I think Jason Tatum wants more shots. I think he wants uh, to, uh, to 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 be a bigger part of the offense. Uh, but I still think that the team in general, what's best for the team is is to start with Kyrie and let everybody play off of it. And and the more that that has happened, uh, I think that that that. Uh, Offensively, they've been better, but I think the real defense, uh, the real difference, has been the defense and in uh, the way they've defended, the effort level uh, on the defensive end. Uh, you know, I mentioned Marcus Smart. Uh, you know, he obviously uh, brings that, uh, but but he's also seen uh, you know tighter rotations. You've seen uh, you know more versatility in terms of uh, uh, how they're able to switch and 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 uh, uh, you know the speed and the and the force with which they make those switches. Uh, all that has been much better lately, and I, I think that's a real difference. Let's pretend everybody's healthy, and I know that's not the case. May not be for a while, especially with this Al Horford situation, which you know we'll, we'll save for a little bit later. But I'm curious as to your thoughts here. One thing that I don't know how long it'll last, but one thing that I do really like, and I was I was heavily in favor of this a handful of games back or whatever it is that that Brad Stevens did it. I I like the way these two units look. You know the the way you separate them, where you have 
Kyrie Irving, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, Al Horford as your starting five, and then Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Daniel Tice, Aaron Baines as that next group, those next five off the bench. You know, just for the balance it creates throughout the entire roster, the strength that it brings to certain units, you know, they're evenly uh, sort of offense-defense dominant. There are, you could just kind of look at, we've, this is a conversation a lot of people have had, one through five, no one's better than the Warriors. We know that. But entire roster depth, Celtics are as good as anyone, maybe better than Golden State. So I like the way those two units balances things out. Yeah, I, I, and I agree with that. And I think uh, when, when, when you look at what Golden State has been most successful in in the postseason, you look at what Steve Kerr has done over time, uh, I think that uh, uh, the, the ability uh, to to play different styles, to go big when he needs to, to go small when he needs to, and be comfortable with those rotations, uh, you know, that that's really the difference with Golden State uh, and every other team is that is that they have more of that lineup versatility uh, where he can put out different looks to counter anything that you do or put pressure and, and, and create the mismatch. Uh, that's, that's really what, what Golden State is, 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 is particularly good at. Uh, as, as much as we're talking about, you know, the Celtics struggling with, with, uh, with finding the right rotations and things like that, I think by the time the playoffs come, they're going to have something figured out, you know, and they're, they're going to have uh, this, this, this sort of versatility. They're going to have this ability uh, to, uh, to, to, to go different ways with their rotations, with their lineups. Uh, that's really going to be something that uh, uh, when we get into April and May, uh, I think that, uh, that, that some of these early struggles are going to pay off uh, because Brad Stevens is going to know what he has, going to know uh, what buttons he can push uh, when, when, when he needs to either create a mismatch or react to a mismatch that another team is creating. So, uh, you know, I think, I think the Warriors' comparison is pretty good there because uh, the depth of this roster, I think uh, we're not really going to see the, the, the total benefit of that until you get to the postseason. You could start, like I say, uh, you know, handling mismatches in different ways. Do you think the Celts will stay with these rotations, this, these groupings for a long while, or do you think Brad Stevens would ideally like to be back to that opening night starting five of Irving Brown, Hayward, Tatum, Horford before the playoffs roll around? Yeah, I mean, I think he'd like to, but I think that, uh, you know, you've got to go with what's working. Uh, you know, I, I, they, they didn't go out and sign Gordon Hayward and give him all the money that they're giving him to be, uh, uh, to be a six man. Uh, there's no question about that. And, and, and I'm sure that, uh, that, that, that there is sort of a long range goal. Uh, but look, if it's working, it, it, it's going to be tough to, uh, uh, it's going to be tough to change it. You know, if it's, if, if it's something that keeps working and it's, and it's best for everybody, it's going to be tough to change it, uh, no matter what the, uh, uh, the, the salary sheet says uh so yeah you know i i do think that is the ultimate goal uh but uh but i don't think they're going to go away from it uh what what's working as long as it continues to work so if this continues to go the way it has lately uh then then yeah i think that you're going to wind up seeing uh uh gordon Haywood coming off the bench I suppose that's what it comes down to, right? Players have acknowledged this as well. It's it's all about winning. As long as you're winning, you can't really get upset. Even if you're maybe quietly boiling beneath the surface, you can't do anything because as long as you have the W's, that's all that matters. Gordon Hayward, in going to the bench, has said and done all the right things. He had that explosive game where he had the, what, 39-8 and eight coming off the, the bench yeah, in 30 right, minutes right. a few games back. But, you know, Jalen Brown... 
again, you know, a guy who has said the right things, but he also acknowledged like, well, as long as we're winning, that's the most important thing, which also says to me, and I'm not being intentionally critical of him here, but it also says to me like, look, I'll I'll deal with it. I'll I'll swallow this so long as we're getting the results. But if we're not, I don't like this all that much, especially with what I was able to achieve last year. So I wonder, you know, do you believe everyone is clear on their roles now or is that type of thing going to kind of have to revisit itself when Hayward or Brown or both conceivably get tired of coming off the bench? It's, I think it's tougher with the younger guys. Like I say, look, Gordon Hayward's got the, the $200 million contract. So, so you know, he's in a position to where, uh, you know, he can say, okay, if I'm going to be a sixth man, then that's okay. Jalen Brown still is trying to get there. He's still trying to establish himself, uh, and he's a guy who has all-star potential. I mean, you know, he, he could be that good. Uh, and if he feels like he's not getting the opportunity to show that, uh, and that it's in the end it's going to wind up hurting him uh, in terms of uh, uh, how much he gets paid and, and and what his contract is going forward, things like that. That yeah, I mean he's got to worry about that. You know he's 22 years old. He he, he feels like, uh, and I wouldn't blame him. Uh, but that you know he, he he showed enough last year to where he should have a bigger role uh, and be able to prove himself. Like I say, you know it's it's, it's one thing if a guy's 28, 29, 30, uh, and 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 knows who he is in the league. Uh, it's another thing if a guy's uh, you, you know 20, 21, 22, like like Brown and uh, uh, and Jason Tatum, uh, and, and are trying to prove themselves in the league and trying to show what they can do, trying to show what their what what their max potential is. Uh, and if you can't do that, then then that's frustrating for a young guy uh, where maybe it's not as frustrating for an older guy. Did you happen to see the Jackie McMullen piece from a few days ago about Jalen Brown? Uh, I didn't know. So she wrote a detailed column basically detailing Brown's struggles and how he's working to climb his way out of the funk. And, uh, you know, a lot of the yeah. interviews and that sort of thing were, you know, took place before he came back from his absence. And I know he's looked good in the uh, the few games that he has been back. And, of course, he was out again uh, most recently against Washington and, and so forth. But it was interesting just to kind of read about how, whether it was comments from Danny Ainge for teammates, everyone is trying to kind of lift Jalen Brown back up. And I think, you know, one of the big takeaways from the piece for me and probably for a bunch of people is this is a guy that, you know, it speaks to a lot of what you were just talking about that is just really uncertain with his role and his fit with this team, which I don't know, coming into the year, that wasn't a chief concern of mine, but it's sort of the way everything has played out. I mean, we've seen him be able to be uh, a guy who can give you 20 points uh, on one end of the floor, give you give you six, seven rebounds, uh, and is a pretty good passer, can shoot from the perimeter, uh, and is a and has the capability of being a lockdown defender on the other end. Uh, if you're that kind of guy, uh, then you know, like I say, you 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 you're, you have all star potential. Uh, and he's not going to be able to be an all-star with this team. That's, that's not with, with the way it's currently constructed. Uh, you know, it's just it's, it's going to be uh, – he's not going to get the opportunities to do that. Uh, so that's, you know, that's, that's a, like I say, it's a tough thing to tell a 22-year-old, uh, hey, just, just, just fit in and, and, and play your role. You're going to get your 24, 25 minutes uh, when he feels like he should be playing 36 minutes. Uh, and like I say, averaging 20 points and, uh, and being, uh, you know, a defensive ace. Uh, that's that's it, it, it's a tough thing to tell a 22 year old uh, that and uh, and and I think that uh, uh, one reason why uh, people in the organization are treating Jalen Brown uh, with, with with kid gloves that way is because they know how important he is and they know how good he can be uh, but they also know that that they're asking him to do something that uh, uh, that most 22 year olds just just wouldn't want to do. 
We'll get right back to Sean. I want to tell you, though, today's episode sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat by heating panels similar to a heated car seat. It's really cool technology, and they can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on each charge. It's terrific. Action Heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them, so it comes in handy more than just staying warm. Perfect as well for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. And I know the holiday's right around the corner. Great for anyone who works outdoors, skiers, snowboarders, anybody that just loves the outside or hates being cold. Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and more. I've got socks. i got a, a shirt. It's I'm telling you, this is great stuff. We've got a special deal for our listeners to save 20% on your entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash Boston to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash Boston or use the coupon code BOSTON at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. All right, let's get back to the show. We've talked about this guy a little bit, but let's dig deeper because the catalyst to this winning streak, it's Marcus Smart. And, you know, probably shouldn't surprise people at this point. We say it all the time. Marcus Smart does Marcus Smart things. He makes winning plays. And it would be cliche, I think, if we were talking about anyone else. But there's just no better way to define this guy. And, you know, big game in Washington, both sides of the ball, the 18 points. He had a few steals handful of rebounds, a few assists, actually shot the ball well, but a couple of huge offensive rebounds in overtime and just creating something out of nothing a lot of the time. But even when the numbers aren't there, the stats aren't there, those actually tend to be the games that he's most impactful. It's when he goes, you know, one for nine from the field, but still manages to be a plus 17 player or something like that. Does Does it ever cease to amaze you with how he impacts a game with such a limited or at least inconsistent offensive skill set? You know, he's, he's, he's shooting 38, uh, 38.5% from the field this year, uh, and, and that's a career high. <laughs> I was going to say, that's pretty good. 38.5% is, is, is a career high, so good for him. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, certainly you look at the numbers and, and, and you always say that about Marcus Smart. And, uh, and, and, and you know, frankly, I was surprised that, uh, that they gave him the money that they did. Uh, you know, it, it, it looked like of, of, of all the guys they were going to have to sacrifice that, 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 that he might be uh, the, the most obvious. But, you, uh, you know, you see what he brings and, and, and you see why they didn't want to get rid of him. Uh, they didn't want to let him walk. Um, you know, he's, he's, he, he just he plays with such energy and, and, and effort. And we say that all the time, the defensive effort. But what I like about him on the offensive end is that he doesn't know he's limited. You know, I mean, he's not, he, he goes down there and, and you got to guard him. You know, you got to pay attention to him because uh, a, he can be streaky and he can make some shots and, and, and he tends to make the shot when it matters most. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, he, 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 he is limited offensively, but, but like I say, he doesn't know that, you know, he does not act like that. Uh, and uh, you know, as a defense, you, you got to respect him. You got to, you got to, pay attention to him it's not like you can play four and five so uh that's that that's something that i've always liked about him uh obviously you know everybody talks about the defensive effort i like the offensive effort as well you know i think he's out there uh you know he he, he like i say he doesn't know that he's offensively limited he doesn't act like that well and i really i shouldn't crap on the guy because even though he can't shoot and we all know that and i've i've 
one of the last people to admit it. I've always believed that at least that that three point shot is is going to come around. Who knows? Maybe maybe it will. He's still young, but he is a good playmaker, and so he is someone you need to take seriously with the ball in his hands. But from one Marcus to another, Marcus Morris, you know. I'm not saying the guy is going to be an all-star. I don't think he will be. But he's playing like one right now, and he's been terrific. And I've always been of the mind that he's going to command a, a decent-sized payday this offseason and see you later. People are wondering, yeah, though, I, is, I, you know, is, is there any chance that what he's doing could lead to a future back in Boston? Or is he as good as gone? I, I think he's got to be good as gone because, you know, as we're talking about, you know, Jalen Brown and, 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 and guys like that, uh, you know, those minutes have to come somewhere, and it's going to be his. So those are going to be his minutes. He's been so important to them uh, at this point in the season. But, uh, you know, he'll be 30, and, and, and you know, you, you start to think, well, okay, we got we to gotta, we gotta give more of a chance to the younger guys. So I think he winds up being the one uh, uh, who gets sacrificed uh, uh, in this group. But uh, uh, certainly, I mean, he's had his best year at, at age 29. Uh, that's not something you usually see. Uh, but, uh, but, but, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's certainly playing like it's a contract year, but I think he's playing uh, for a contract somewhere else. I don't think he winds up back in Boston. What kind of uh, – it's so early, too. We don't even know exactly who's going to have money to spend or who would need a guy or want a guy specifically like him. And is he a starter? Is he come off the bench? But whatever. For the sake of asking you in mid-December and not holding you to anything, what kind of contract do you think he gets? You know, I, I I would say you know probably a four year deal. You know, maybe an option on the on the fourth year, something like that. Uh, you know, probably in the range of, uh, uh, of of fifty million. You know, something like that. You know, twelve, maybe a little more than that. Actually, uh, you know, I could see him. You know, getting some somewhere between fifty and sixty million. Um, you know, the thing about this this free agent year is there are going to be a lot of teams uh, that have a lot of cap space, but then you're also going to have uh, a limited number of players who are really worth that top dollar. Uh, so I think you're going to see the second tier uh, kind of free agents. They're going to make out okay, you know, and, and I think Marcus Morris is certainly the way he's playing uh, this year. Uh, I think he's uh, he's he's uh, elevated himself uh, uh, in terms of where he'll be uh, uh, in terms of free agency. So I, I really do think that, uh, that that he's probably going to get a pretty nice payday. You know, I've been very critical of Al Horford at points this year. I don't think he's looked like himself. Clearly, the knee has a lot to do with that because he's starting to get more consistent rest. It's actually finally nice, if we're being honest, that there's a label, there's a reason for the problem. Danny Ainge went on the radio, said that Horford's dealing with tendonitis. Brad talked about the knee a little bit. The ongoing belief is that Horford's going to be fine. He just needs to be managed. And so how much management do you think he'll need to get where he needs to be by April? Yeah, I mean, you know, tendonitis is such a tricky thing because it's it's something that comes and goes. You know, it's something that can feel good uh, one day and then the next day uh, it, uh, you, you know, you can hardly move the knee. Uh, traveling can be tough. You know, obviously, uh, if you're six ten and and uh, uh, and traveling, then uh, you know your knee your knee can uh, uh, can hurt that much more. You know, so uh, it's uh, it it really is something that uh, uh, doing the right thing. Obviously, you got to give him some rest. You got to let it. Uh, try to heal, uh, and then you just got to monitor it. I mean, it's it, it is something that could certainly uh, swell back up later on in the year, and it could be a problem later on in the year. It's something that really does need to be monitored. But uh, you know, tendonitis. Nowadays, they're much better at managing than, than they were even, you know, five, ten years ago. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I do think it's something that they'll be able to handle. But it's something that, that uh, is going to be a problem uh, uh, throughout the year or at least something that, uh, uh, that they're going to try to prevent from being a problem throughout the year. 
Does his play and and health obviously this season concern you long term when starting to think about whether Boston would bring him back on a restructured deal and all those conversations that we had during the off season about his future in Boston? Well, it's got to. I mean, you know, he's he's going to be thirty three uh, next uh, next spring, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, you really do have to start worrying about that. Uh, you know, there are obviously we've seen guys play uh, effectively into 37, 38 years old. I'm not sure Al's that kind of guy. You know, I'm, I'm not sure he's going to have uh, that level of uh, uh, production as he goes forward. Um, you know, obviously he's not a guy who relies much on athleticism and, and, and things like that. So, uh, you, you know, you, you can probably get away with him uh, being a half a step slower. Uh, but, you know, anytime you get into – uh, 33 years old, and 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 you start getting joints that aren't quite right, things like that. Uh, you, you've got to worry, and you got to worry, uh, you know, what your long-term commitment is going to be to a guy who, uh, you know, could potentially drop off pretty quickly. Well, and of course, one of the different things that Danny Ainge, Mike Zarin, all these guys' ownership that they're going to have to wrestle with is the fact that you know they're over the cap at this point, and so. You know, you could pay to bring back your own guys. Would you pay to bring back an Al Horford when it's kind of, you know, it's it's luxury tax, but it's free money, so to speak. It's not cap space versus losing him. And you still don't have that space to work with where you can just go on hand another max deal out. And so that's uh, I guess those, those are one of the that's one of the intricacies that could be a little extra taxing on those guys trying to figure out how to build this team long term, especially if he doesn't respond the way they want him to this year. Yeah, that's right. Because you know your your, your choice isn't Al Horford or somebody else who is is uh, a little bit younger. Your, your choice is Al Horford or nobody. You know, I mean that's right. it. You know that because of like like you say, uh, you, you know you have the ability to uh, to resign him because he's been your own player. Uh, but uh, but 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 you know if you if you let him go. Uh, now you're you really don't have the uh, the wherewithal to bring somebody else in. So uh, yeah, that's that that's that's going to be a tricky decision. And 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 like I say, you know, you get into 33 years old, that's 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 really tricky ground in terms of how much uh, uh, you want to commit to a guy. Or you know, you wind up trading him in that Anthony Davis deal over the summer. Well, right, yeah, of course. That's, uh... <laughs> you know, with uh, Davis and the Pelicans just recently in town, and um, Robert Williams, we'll talk more about him in a second, but he looked good on him. But w- one of the things that is always just, I guess, kind of interesting to me is C's fans just roundly applauded Anthony Davis in the intros. Even <laughs> you know, even knowing their intentions, though, what do you think of that kind of response for a visitor? We've been down this road a number of times. We've seen it with Gordon Hayward and others. We know in the past it rubbed Jay Crowder the wrong way, and I'm sure he's not the only one. It always feels a little bit strange. I think the Celtics fans saw that it worked with Gordon Hayward, so they thought, well, hey. What the hell, yeah. Guy, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, so I think that, uh, uh, that that's uh, – uh, that's that's probably part of the thinking there, but um, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, obviously he's been a guy who's uh, uh, been connected with the Celtics, and 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 uh, uh, and certainly uh, if the opportunity came uh, to try to trade for him, then obviously the Celtics would do that. But uh, I just, I, you know, everything out of New Orleans right now is is that they don't have plans to do that. Uh, that uh, you know they see it as you know vital to the franchise. Uh, you, you know, really the, the health of the franchise uh, that, uh, that 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 they keep him and that he stay there. Uh, you know, they might not have a choice in the matter, but but certainly that's the way they're approaching it now. Uh, that could change, no question. But uh, uh, as of now, that's uh, uh, that's sort of what the Pelicans' uh, position has been. All right, that's your Anthony Davis minute. We have to have one at least every show, obviously. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's it's just a foregone conclusion, but. 
Back to Robert Williams or, uh, you know, Time Lord, as as people like to call him. He's become something of a cult hero. I still like to call him Boo Butt, but, you know, whatever. I, I think that's a, a way funnier nickname. How encouraged have you been by Williams' play now that he's had an opportunity to showcase himself a little bit? Because this is a different situation. Over the last several years since Brad arrived, you know, it was Marcus Smart, top what, whatever he was, sixth pick. Uh, so you're you're watching intently how the rookie's developing, and then a couple of third overall picks, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and how are they doing? Well, this is really the first time after those Nets picks expired, and and that last one was traded away. But this is the the first time that we've seen okay, just a, a run of the mill first round pick taken in the twenties, and he'll spend part of the year here and part of the year in Maine, and expectations aren't high. What have you seen from this kid? Well, I, I mean, the thing you got to remember about him is that there were plenty of scouts and. Uh, and GMs who, who considered him to be uh, you know, lottery. A, a lottery level pick. Uh, it was just a matter of uh, uh, you know the funny thing with his knee. Uh, you know there was some concern about that. That was a red flag that came up just ahead of the draft, and uh, and, and and so teams were worried about that. And then work ethic and, and maturity. You know, he, yeah, uh, he, he he obviously didn't uh, uh, didn't impress to co- coming out of the gate when mm. when it comes to that sort of thing. But everybody knew he could play. I mean, you know everybody. There was nobody who said, uh, uh, you know, this guy uh, uh, can't handle the NBA. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of work ethic, uh, and 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 will his knee be right in in, in four or five years? Is that is that going to be something? Uh, and the Celtics seem to think that uh, that that's not going to be an issue. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, they're in a good position where they can bring him along slowly. They can use him when they need him, uh, and then. Uh, you, you know, keep him on the bench and develop him in the G League, things like that. Uh, it, it's a really good position to be in, uh, you know, for a guy who, uh, like I say, has lottery-level talent. It's just a matter of can you can you get it out of him? Can you get him to work hard? Uh, can you get him, obviously, to be on time? Uh, and, uh, and, and, and you know, can you get him to stay healthy? Uh, it, it, it's really uh, – uh, it, it really couldn't have been a better situation for him uh, or for them. With this team being as deep and talented as it is, do you think the Seas can simply use Williams as kind of a specialist this year, you know, have that be enough for his development because he can block shots, he rebounds, dunk when given the ball inside, and, and I mean, the guy can leap out of the gym, we know that. But as far as we know, no real shot to speak of. Is it better he work on rounding out his old game in Maine or better to use limited NBA opportunities to do what he already does well and continue to improve upon those things? Yeah, you know, I think I think you need the time in Maine. I think you want him to to start getting some confidence and in, in, in some form of jump shot and uh, and sort of consistent moves in the post. You, you know, you need a uh, you know any big man will tell you you need one move and then you need a counter move uh, if you're going to survive in the NBA offensively. Uh, so if if he can work those things and and, and get uh, you know even a, an elbow jumper, uh, then uh, then then that's that's really what he needs to do. But I do think that when you have the opportunity to put him in for 20, 25 minutes like they did against New Orleans, uh, you know, especially going up against a guy like Anthony Davis, then you do it. Uh, you know, that you take advantage of that. You don't do it consistently, but you give him those. Uh, you give him that experience. You give him that experience level. Then when he goes back down to Maine, he's he's a lot more comfortable. You know, he's he's a lot more confident. He's he, hey, look, I just played against Anthony Davis. Uh, so you know, it, it really does bring uh, a different level of. Uh, uh, of uh, of confidence to, uh, to to what he's working on in the G League, so uh, I, I think the way they're handling it is, is is just right right now. Sean, before I let you go, let's mix in a few questions from Twitter. This one from Hans: 
Why does Jason Tatum keep shooting contested mid-range jumpers despite Brad Stevens telling him not to and even yanking him out of games for doing so? Do you think it's created any tension between the two of them? I don't know if it's tension between the two of them. I think Brad understands, uh, you, you know, it, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Adam, and that is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's 20 years old and, and he's not getting the shot that he was getting in the postseason. He's not being the featured player in the offense the way he was in the postseason. He's got to try to relearn that. So uh, there are times where he does force up those shots because he feels like uh, if he gives the ball up, uh, uh, then, then he's not getting it back. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's something that, uh, uh, that they're going to have to work on with him, that, that he's going to have to understand uh, that, uh, that, that, that he can't take those shots. Uh, part of the problem, too, though, is that he does make uh, a lot of those. You know, he does, he does actually hit uh, more of those contested mid-range shots uh, probably than Brad would like because if he wasn't hitting them, then, uh, then he definitely wouldn't take them. But, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, those aren't, those aren't quality shots, obviously, and, uh, uh, and I think uh, uh, going forward with him, I think you'll see them try to, uh, to try, try to rein that in. I don't think it's really caused a problem. I think Brad understands, uh, you, you know, what, the, what, what he as a young guy uh, is going through. These last couple of questions are both about Terry Rozier. I'll just lump them together, one from PSOS, the other from John. They're wondering, first off, if Terry has an off season, isn't very good, and we know the numbers have been kind of up and down, as has his opportunity, and he isn't traded by the deadline, do you think he resigns with us on a discount, us, of course, being the Celtics? And John wants to know, how much cheaper would Terry have to be to be the long-term point guard choice over Kyrie Irving? I, I, I don't see that happening at all. You know, I think Terry, what he showed in the postseason in the second half of last year when Kyrie was out, uh, I think there are enough teams uh, who kind of bank that away and enough teams, you know, look at it, Orlando, for instance, is going to have a lot of cap space and, uh, and desperate need for a young point guard. Uh, you know, there, there, there's going to be teams that are going to give him uh, an offer that's just going to be too big for the Celtics to match. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I really don't see them keeping him. Uh, I think he's going to wind up being too expensive. Uh, like I say, I think there's enough teams who watched what he did and, and, and saw what his ability level is that even if he has a bad year this year, they'll, they'll, they'll just file it away and say, we know what this guy can do if given the opportunity. So uh, I think there are going to be teams that uh, uh, that will be willing with, with a lot of cap space uh, to, to, to step up and pay him because uh, uh, because there's, there's teams that really need point guards out there and, and, and they've got money to spend. And as long as that's the case, then, uh, uh, then, then he's probably going to be priced out of the Celtics market. Just for fun, because we did it with Marcus Morris, what kind of deal do you think Rozier is going to get? Because, again, if the reports going into the season were to be believed, I think he turned down four for 48 from the Celtics, you know, when, when they had their little window to talk. So now that he's going to be restricted, what do you think he's going to get? I, I would say four and, and, and somewhere in the range of 60 to 70. I think, I think uh, like I say, there are teams that are going to have money uh, that are not going to be in the market for the top name free agents uh, and, uh, and are going to be looking for those kinds of young guys. Uh, you know, that, it's hard to get a young player uh, in, in, in free agency that way. And, and, and really, uh, uh, Rozier is, is, is one of the few who is sort of ripe for the plucking uh, because they know that it would be so expensive for the Celtics when you get in the luxury tax. Uh, it would be so expensive for the Celtics to match something that, uh, uh, that, if, you, that if you come up with a deal that, that starts around $15 million, uh, per year, that's, gonna be, that's probably just too much for the Celtics to match. Terry Rozier, get the Evan Turner deal. 
I, I think I would. Uh, uh, I would <laughs> if, if somebody gave Terry Rozier the Evan Turner deal, I think it would turn out better with Terry Rozier than it has with Evan Turner. I think probably. Sean Devaney from Sporting <laughs> News, thanks so much, man. Always appreciate you coming on. Adam, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Great stuff from Sean, and uh, oh, I, I do miss Evan Turner. Bring bring the guy back on no money one day just to be an ambassador or something. Put him in that that uh, Dana Barrows, Leon Poe, kind of just, just hang out, just be around, coach us media in uh, in the charity games and, uh, and and have a good quote or two. That's what I would like to have. All right, we're going to get out of here, but a lot of great insight. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, today's show, once again, sponsored by Action Heat. Save 20% on your order by going to actionheat.com. Slash Boston. That's actionheat.com slash Boston, or use the coupon code Boston at checkout to save 20%. Thanks again to Sean, my producer, Evan Valenti. Obviously, Evan moving into a new house is just what the Celtics needed to get rolling. That's going well. Thanks to Nick, to Larry, to John, to everybody else at CLNS Media. Thanks to you for listening. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher. You can get the shows on Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman. Uh, I'll always post them. You can always find them there. We uh, appreciate you listening. Leave comments, leave ratings, leave all of it. And, and again, just subscribe. Continue to join us, and we will get into a more consistent schedule soon enough. I promise, but appreciate you bouncing around, finding us. And let's make it eight, nine in a row for this Celtics team before the competition starts to get just a little bit tougher. We need more Geno nights, right? Take us out of here.